the school is out. Which means it's time for Hi Kids. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hi Kids show. Thank you for choosing 101.9 Hi FM. This is Hi Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Bria Katz and I'm your host for today. Coming up on Hi Kids today, I'll be interviewing Sharon Meyer. She is an international environmental group manager from GCS. So just stay tuned to 101.9 Hi FM to find out more about environmental consulting. Get ready for a very exciting show on Hi Kids today. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 Hi FM. This is Hi Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Bria Katz and I'm 12 years old. Good afternoon. Hello, thank nice to be here. It's so nice to um have you in studio with me and I want you to come here today because I was so interested in learning what is an environmental consultant. So an environmental scientist or consultant is someone who investigates um potential impacts to the environment um that people are creating through development. And those impacts can be to animals, to plants, to water, to air, and even to other people. And so we need to look at these impacts and see how we can um, reduce them or fix them. So what type of activities or things that people do cause environmental impact? So it can be anything from building a residential area where people live to mining, um, which is a very big um, development and can have quite significant impacts to the environment. Can you tell us what things that these um, I don't know if I'm making sense right now what things these activities would do to the environment what what's dangerous about mining mining to the environment what's wrong with it so mining um one for the first thing is that it creates quite a lot of waste that needs to be disposed of um it also sterilizes large areas of land so where that land could have been producing food or used for other purposes it's now used for mining um there's also quite a lot of impacts um to sensitive areas often you find coal in association um, or in the same areas as you find wetlands. And wetlands are very important to the environment. So often mines would then um, destroy those wetlands. And with destroying the wetlands, you are destroying um, important animal and plant species that might not be able to recover in other areas. Can you tell us what a wetland is? So a wetland is a body um, of water. It can, be, it can be linked to a river or it can be independent, and it is a special environment where you find um, plants and animals you might not find elsewhere. Often you have, um, like bullfrogs, um, which are quite an important species, and you don't get bullfrogs outside of wetlands or pans. So um, animals and plants like bullfrogs, which only occur in wetlands, can be lost if we destroy these, these ecosystems. So how would you prevent that? How can you stop this space or this land being used by mining? So mining is quite difficult because often your mine has to be very close to where the resource is. So if they're mining coal, they need to have the mine close to where the coal is underground. But what you can do is try to avoid areas that are very sensitive um, and make sure that the surface structures um, um, are, are placed so that they aren't impacting on sensitive areas. But um, in some cases that's not possible. And then we actually can um, look at constructed wetlands where you go to other areas um, of a similar environment and then you can construct a wetland and potentially even move some of the species to that wetland so that you aren't losing those species from the environment. So it's almost like you destroy a wetland if you have to and then you create another one. That's it, yes. So that there's a balance. Yes. You're not just destroying. Yes, exactly. 
And can you tell us what we do to damage the environment? What do we as humans or even animals do that are not good for the environment? So for humans, what we do is we use a lot of land that um, of sterilizes um, natural environments. So if you eat meat, cattle has a huge impact on land use because you have to cut down indigenous trees to provide um, food for the, those cattle or, or sheep or whatever food that you are producing. Um, another thing that we do is we have a huge amount of waste that we produce. So what we need to do is to try and recycle more. If you start recycling, you'll see um, if you have two different bags, one bag can go to the, the waste dump and one bag is recycled. And you can see how much you're actually wasting and that can actually be reused. Another thing that we do is we litter. So littering sounds like a small thing, but it's a huge impact um, to animals, to to the um, air quality, to the water quality, um, and to, to surface um, pollution. So we need to try and, and manage that. Um, I think generally we need to just look at how we are utilizing electricity and water because electricity uses a lot of water, and currently South Africa relies on coal for electricity. So the less you can use electricity, the, the less coal we are um, burning and the less air quality um, pollution we are generating. And coal is what we call a non-renewable resource. So it means that it doesn't reproduce itself like plants, let's say. Fruit keep on regrowing. If you plant an apple tree, apple tree will grow. You can plant an apple again in the ground and another apple tree will grow. But coal isn't like that. You can't plant coal. You can't reproduce coal. So... If we use up more and more and more coal, eventually all that coal is going to run out and then we're going to have a big problem. Yes, yeah, so coal isn't uh, renewable, but the other problem with coal is that it's very dirty. So it is um, a major cause of um, pollution to air quality, and it is linked to climate change. So it's one of the things we need to move away from. And before we run out of coal even, we need to move more towards renewable energies like water, um, hydro, um, solar, and also wind turbines, which are renewable energies because, the, you know, the wind continues and solar continues. You don't have to generate it or dig it up. So it's a much cleaner type of energy. And is it possible that air pollution or bad air quality can affect your health? Definitely. You'll find that there's quite a lot of studies around people who live near power stations and near coal mines um, where there is um, bad air quality, and those people do suffer more from lung diseases. So it definitely affects your, your health. Um, and we need to – there are areas in South Africa that are prioritized as very poor air quality, um, and it is an issue that, that the, the government and that NGOs have raised that we need to look at um, to improve our air quality. Would you say that where we live, right, Joburg, is that, do you think that is, sorry, do you think Joburg has a poor air quality? It's not the worst in the country, but it is very bad, and that's got to do with congestion of traffic. Your cars generate um, emissions into the into the air, and that's the things that we are breathing in. And then any disturbance of the soil causes dust, and then you have things called um, particulate matter. And the smaller the particulate matter in the air, the easier it can get into your lungs and affect your health. And so you have a lot of people suffering from sinusitis and nasal congestion and that sort of thing. So those seem like low-level health impacts, but they can be um, um, they can become quite bad, um, depending on how bad the air quality is that you live in. So... It's very interesting to think about that if you're polluting the air, you are actually endangering yourself. Yes, exactly. I think sometimes the problem with people, they don't care if they're polluting it, they don't care if they're littering, is because they think it's not going to affect them. Who cares if a few animals die along the line? Mm. But if you actually realize that it's affecting you, then 
might help you to put in more effort to prevent it. Yes, and I think, um, well, in South Africa, the two issues are, are, that are very important is water pollution and air quality pollution because air quality affects climate change, and climate change is really important aspect that we need to look at. You're seeing um, changes in weather. We're having huge um, heat waves in, in Gauteng at the moment. We've had very little rain, so it's affecting how our, our food is being produced. Um, we have water restrictions. We're not going to be able to farm as we used to. And in terms of water, we are a water-stressed country. And if you're polluting the water, it means there's less water available to um, um, to drink and to use, but also for the environmental um, purposes, for, for animals, for um, um, the, the ecological reserve. So those two aspects are very important to take um, into consideration. And how do we pollute our water? Well, water is usually polluted through big industries. So it's big industries using water and then discharging dirty water into the environment. And then um, uh, septic tanks. So in rural areas, you might have septic tanks instead of um, formalized uh, wastewater treatment plants. And those septic tanks eventually allow water into the groundwater surface water system, which is full of E. coli, which is an important um, contaminant, can make you very, very sick. Um, so those are the things we need to watch, but also just general littering um, and and what you are putting into the water is important um, and, and makes a difference. And how could those companies help? Could they clean the water and then discharge it into the environment? So it's it's really monitoring these bigger companies and making sure that the water they are discharging is of a, an acceptable quality and not letting them discharge dirty water. Because although we have very strong environmental laws to protect the environment, um, these big companies aren't always monitored. And it's not only the big companies, it's small companies as well. They aren't monitored to make sure that um, the water quality is is acceptable for discharge. And if you know of a company near where you live or, or somewhere where you, you, um, um, you know that has got a dirty water problem, you need to alert the green scorpions so that they can go and monitor that and hopefully improve the situation. It's very interesting because they just, you know, they're big companies that aren't being monitored and because of that, we have a big water pollution problem. Yes, and it's a problem especially to people who don't have access to clean water. So there's people living in rural areas who, who access their water from surface water sources, from rivers, etc. And they, they don't have access to water from a tap. So those are the guys who are having, you know, experiencing the worst from this pollution. And, and those are the people we need to protect because they don't have medical aid. They don't have things that we have that, that can help us if we get sick. These guys have to walk. 10 kilometers to, to a doctor if they get sick. And um, those are the people we need to protect. It's, it's expensive to be environmentally friendly. It's expensive to treat your water. Um, but it must be more than money. It's got to be looking after the environment, looking after the people, making sure that South Africa um, is a healthy, a healthy nation. And in the long run, if you don't, if you don't do this now and act in an environmental friendly way, it might cost you more money along. I mean, Further down the line. Absolutely. So we've already got huge problems specifically with air quality and, and water pollution. But if we don't do something now, it's just going to get worse. So it's important that, um, you know, kids start looking at these issues and they grow up to become environmental scientists and to, and to, um, fix the situation. It's amazing that 
the job that you do to protect the environment. It sounds very interesting. I love my job. It's, it's really, really cool. It's not something I wanted to be when I was at varsity, but it's something I grew into. And I think um, it's really enjoyable because I work with very, very smart people. So I learn something all the time. I get to travel. So I, I meet interesting people. I see interesting places. Um, and, and I get to, to um, conserve the environment in a unique way. It sounds very interesting. And we'll mm. talk more about it after the song break. You're listening to High Kids on 101.9 High FM. This is High Kids, for Kids, by Kids. My name is Bria Katz and I'm 12 years old. That's half of the interview. We're talking about a lot of different types of pollution and what we do to affect the environment. So can you tell us, as an environmental scientist or consultant, how what you do to protect that and to prevent that? So we usually um, investigate sites where there's a potential for development and we look at where the sensitivities are. So are there animals on the site that are of importance? Are there plants on site that are conserved? And then we look at wetlands and sensitive habitats. And then we discuss with the client or the developer to make sure that they do everything they can to prevent impacts um, or they have a plan in place to manage the impacts and to rehabilitate or fix those impacts once they are done with the development. If they don't do this, is that illegal if they don't protect the environment? Yes. So we have to go through an environmental impact assessment, which goes to the Department of Environmental Affairs, and they have to then tell the the developer what they can and cannot do. And there's conditions when they get the authorization. They have to do um, external monitoring. And um, if they aren't compliant or um, um, following what their requirements are, then they do get into trouble. They can be fined, and the operation can even be closed down. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's pretty good legislation. It is good to know that people who don't go against, uh, to, sorry, do go against the rules are paying for it because if not, then it's like, why should I be doing it, you know? Exactly, yes. So I, was, I always wonder, there's this whole big like movement around straws, you know? Don't use plastic straws, use bamboo straws, use metal straws, whatever, whatever, whatever. So why is it specifically straws? Why isn't there a whole thing around disposable plates? Because that's a lot more plastic than just a little straw. The problem with straws is because they are so, are so small and so light, they fall through the recycling ma- ma- machinery, so you can't actually recycle them. So with a plastic plate, it's easy to recycle, but a straw um, can't be recycled. And because they're very light, um, they can be moved through the wind or the water, so they end up very far from where they're actually um, dropped. And so they get into aquatic environments, and um, birds can be... Um, really badly hurt and aquatic animals badly hurt by getting straws in their throats and in their noses. So when you can't recycle them and there are this danger and they, they take a very, very long time to degrade, it's really important not to use those plastic straws and rather go for an alternative. We've actually got metal straws at home and they're so much nicer. They actually be cold, you know? Yes, yes, that's very cool. And it's very nice. I love yes. them. <laughs> so, yeah, it's very interesting. Do little fish also get stuck in them? They can, yeah, it depends on how small the fish is. But, um, yeah, generally they get caught in larger animals. But if, yeah, little organisms can also get stuck in the straw. What are organisms? 
So organisms are little creatures, little nunus, hohos, <laughs> little things with a heartbeat. Um, so like in, even in soil, you've got little nunus and organisms. You can have one-celled organisms, which are teeny tiny, and you can't see them with the naked eye, but they are so important um, for the quality of the soil, the quality of the water. And these are the things we need to look out for and things we need to protect. So even if you can't see them, if it's not a rhino or a, a cheetah, they're still important to the environment, and we still need to think about them and look after them. And if straws are so damaging to the environment, why is it not illegal to use plastic straws? I don't think um, it's easy to phase them out um, through through legalities. So a lot of um, companies are phasing them out because they it's a trend not to use a plastic straw. So they're phasing them out because the company wants to look good. So, you know, you've got some mug and bean doesn't use plastic straws. Um, and companies want to be – they want their, their – their, um, the, the media and the public to think of them as, as um, responsible companies. So that's why they're doing it. But I don't think it's going to be easy yet to, to um, make it criminal to use plastic straws. And let's just say disposable cups, plates, knives, forks, cutlery, you know, are those damaging to the environment? If you, yeah, to use, are they damaging? Yes, anything plastic is damaging. Um, because a lot, I mean, about 80% of plastics aren't recycled and it takes decades for them to degrade, if at all. So it's very important to avoid any types of plastics, um, even if they are recyclable and rather use the alternatives if you can. They are useful though. That's they are, it is very That's useful. Yes, it is. Because people just want to use disposables because they don't have to wash anything. They can just take their rubbish and their disposable stuff and chuck it in the bin. Yes. There's no soap and sponges and hands involved in the eating, in the dishes, yeah. It's not not cheap and it's not easy to be environmentally responsible, but it's important. So it's something you have to actually do, even though it's not the easy way out. Definitely. It's a good point in everything, you know. Just because it's the easy way out doesn't mean it's a good thing or the right thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely disposables are much easier. Yeah. (laughs) You just... Chuck it away and forget about it. Yeah. It's the same with disposable nappies. You shouldn't really use them because they're very, very bad for the environment. You should use bamboo nappies. But it's not always easy (laughs) because you have to wash them. And we know what happens in them. So, yeah, it's not always the easy way out. But if you're responsible and you want to protect the planet, these are the types of things you need to consider. But aren't bamboo trees endangered? No. So you can use bamboo product products. um, And they are... um, uh, they they like you have um forests what do you call them like sappy and mondi they are actually grown bamboo is actually grown for commercial use so if if anything um you wouldn't use bamboo because you don't want to be impacting on the indigenous environment <laughs> so there's always a pro and con to everything you have to look at the, the 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 best of the worst i suppose so what would you say is the best option um, I think you need to avoid anything that's disposable. Um, you, um, because number one, because it's, if it might not be, um, recyclable, but number two, you don't want to be, um, um, impacting on our waste situation. South Africa has a lot of waste, a lot of disposal facilities that aren't well managed. We don't have enough disposal facilities. So anything that you can reuse is much better than something that you throw away. And with the disposable goods, why is it a problem if they degrade if they take so long to degrade, if they're just being mushed up and reformed into something else? Um, well, it's okay. That's just, yeah, recovery or reuse is great. Um, if they are reusable, that's, that's fine. But it also takes energy to recycle and reuse things. And energy comes from power stations, and power stations cause 
air quality emissions. So it's all of those things, and it also uses water. So all of those things add up. Um, it's, it's great to use recyclable plastics rather than non-recyclable plastics, but ideally you want to use something that's not um, going to be thrown away. It's actually very interesting because in National Science today, we were we were just I don't know, discussing the use of a pot. Why is it made of metal and the handles are made of plastic or wood? So I was thinking it would be better to make the handles out of wood than plastic because is wood re- recyclable? Yes, so wood is a natural product, so it would just it would de- uh, degenerate into the, into its basic parts. So always rather use wood, but it depends on what's, what product is it, it is. <laughs> is there such thing as natural plastic? Um, well, people have been um, punting natural plastic, which is made of um, uh, a naturally occurring um, uh, um, materials, but you need to look at what the um, regenerate or, or the recyclable the um, biodegradable time is on those products. So it uh, doesn't matter if it's a natural plastic, whatever that term means, or um, a synthetic plastic. It's how long does it take to biodegrade, and what are the impacts while it's doing that. Can you tell me what biodegrade means? So biodegrade is breaking down um, into um, smaller parts, eventually just um, being incorporated into the environment. So if you think of cardboard or newspaper, newspaper is biodegradable. So it it's gets old, if it gets wet or it um, crumples up, um, it it's just fades away into the environment. It's never left you never have a newspaper after 10 years. It's going to be, it's going to disappear. So those are things that can disappear into the environment and sort of become part of the natural system. Is it a problem if they become part of the natural system? No. To have, I don't know, pieces of plastic in the ground, I don't know, in the environment? Well, the thing is plastic doesn't biodegrade to that extent that it just um, is absorbed into the natural, um, the natural system. So that's why plastics, because they aren't natural, they, they are produced by people. So those are the things that we don't want to be disposing of. And the, um, plastic takes such a long time to break down. And when it does break down, it's not going to be um, a natural a natural product. Let's just say the person who invented plastic, didn't they think of what it would cause to the environment, what it harmed to the environment? No. Um, there's lots of things that people um, have invented that have huge impacts on the environment and I don't think at the time they had that realization of what the the future implications would be I mean um, I think the first coal-fired power station was um, uh, uh, constructed in 1895 so it's more than 100 years ago and that was great now we had electricity so that's an awesome thing but I don't think they realized that by making this electricity through burning coal you're having such an an impact on um, air quality and on the climate can't electricity be made by burning anything? Um, burning stuff you don't really want to do because whenever you burn something, you're having emissions into the atmosphere. Um, so you really want to go with um, renewable energies where you aren't burning a resource, you are reusing a resource. So um, you, you um, put a turbine into water. So as, as the water is flowing, it's generating electricity. So you're not using up the water. The water continues. You're just using up the energy of that water. The same as wind. Um, those turbines are just using the energy from the wind to produce electricity, but it's not taking away the wind. Um, so it's a whole different concept to um, coal-fired power stations where you're actually using up the coal and producing emissions. Also solar energy. Solar energy, yes. So you're using the energy from the sun. Um, you're not degrading the sun. You're just using that energy for, for other purposes. It's very clever. Mm, so is. where do they put those turbines in water? 
Um, so usually you put them on the edges of dams. So in Lesotho we have a huge um, hydropower scheme, and that's where some um, electricity from from that power scheme comes to South Africa. Um, so you use the dams, and as the water flows over the dam, it generates um, the electricity. But in South Africa we also have a few small hydropower stations along rivers. So you put it in the river. And it's quite interesting because you've got to make sure that none of the fish get into the turbine because they'll get squashed. Uh. So you have to have a fish pathway so the fish go around the turbine. And you've got to make sure that um, the, the temperature of the water doesn't change when it goes through the turbine because obviously temperature changes affect the fishies. So there's a whole lot of things you still have to take cognizance of and you've still got to protect even when you're doing renewables. It's like um, so. Um, wind turbines have a huge impact on bats and also on birds because they fly into the turbines. So there's all these things we learn as we go. Um, and it's just important that as technology evolves, we must remember that we need to conserve the environment as we are improving technology. So with fish... How do you make the fish go around, swim around the turbine? If they, even if there's space there for them to swim around, I don't think fish are particularly clever. How do you make them <laughs> go around the turbine? So you have like a little fish corridor. So you put in a, a mesh or a fencing small enough so that any small, tiny little fish can't get through. And so they are directed with the water around the flow of the turbine. Oh, that makes sense. Yes. Wouldn't it be good to put a turbine like in a waterfall? Because that has a lot of force. Yes, so waterfall or at a dam where the water's falling down the dam wall, um, you have that gravity as well, which is helping you produce more energy for the water. So that's, that's, the, that's a very good idea, and that's where they usually place them. So are there any turbines in waterfalls? Um, I'm not sure of one, but I did do an EIA for one um, near Nelspreet for um, a turbine in a waterfall. And it's the same sort of thing, because you also have organisms, which is little fishies and frogs and things going down the waterfall, so you've got to make sure that they are directed away from the turbine so they don't get squished. And do you, do you install these things, your company? We don't install them. We just um, we investigate what are going to be the effects, and we recommend how they need to do it, and then we speak to the engineers, and the engineers are the ones who actually um, install um, these facilities. Makes sense. Sounds like such a cool job. It is a very cool job. I really enjoy my job. Um, it wasn't something I wanted to do when I was growing up, but it's definitely something I want to continue doing. And I think it's a great opportunity for kids to study environmental science. And there's so many different avenues you can take. You can be a mammologist and study mammals. You can be an ornithologist and study birds. You can even study um, nunus, insects, be an entomologist. So there's so many things you can, you can do. You can focus just on water or just on air or just on even noise. So it's something to, to look at if you are... Um, trying to find a career path. Does noise have an impact on the environment? Noise has an impact on people, and it can also have an impact on animals. So um, where you have um, a huge operation in maybe an agricultural area, you are changing the type of noise that people are and animals are exposed to, and where they're used to having very low decibels, which is what you measure noise in, and they're going to have higher decibels, and it can have um, a huge effect on animals. Um, if you can imagine um, cows in a dairy farm, they might become so stressed from the noise that they don't produce milk anymore. So those are the things that you need to consider. It sounds funny, but it, um, there's such a wide range of impacts and, and things that can influence people and animals and plants um, that it's actually a great, a great career to go into. It sounds really amazing. And how can people contact your company to 
help them reduce the environmental impact of what they're doing. So we have a great website. It's www.gcs-sa.biz, B-I-Z. Um, and my contact details are on the contact page. You can just look for Sharon, um, and we can get back to you and try and help you out. Sounds amazing, and I really think everyone should take this into account. If you're doing something, you may as well do it in an environmental-friendly way, even if it's more expensive. Absolutely. And thank you so much to my guest, Sharon Mayer, for coming on the show and teaching me more about pollution and being an environmental scientist. It's really very interesting. And I just have this urge to go home and protect the environment, save Mother Earth, you know. Now my mission is complete. <laughs> and I hope all you two feel the same way as me. So thank you, Sharon. My pleasure. Thanks very much. And thank you so much to DJ Flo and my producer, Senna, for pushing the big red buttons for me. Join us tomorrow for another Kha Kids show, only on 101.9 Kha FM. This has been Kha Kids, for Kids, Bye Kids!